Hello and welcome to The Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Philip O'Connor, Head of Farm Support, and Trevor Boland, Accountant with IFAC, the Irish Farm Accounts Cooperative Society, to discuss what can be done to help plan a farm transfer. Philip and Trevor, you're both very welcome. This year, farmers are considering various farm entity options, particularly with the new cap. What options are available, Trevor? I have a bit of experience myself in forming a registered farm partnership. So back in 2015, myself and my father entered a registered farm partnership on our own Suckler and Beef Farm in Sligo. Um, so I like the, the registered farm partnership. There's a number of benefits to them. And I suppose if you just look at it from a practical point of view, you have the young farmer starting off, wants to get involved in the farm, wants to get his name on the herd number, name on the bank account, be involved in the decision making on the farm. And a good opportunity there is to form a registered farm partnership. And often cases you have the older farmer is looking to step back a bit, but not completely move away from the farm. You know, he keeps his name on the, the cattle cards that comes out. His name is on the mart board. Uh, his or her name is on department payments and they're still involved in the farm. You know, invoices are coming in in their name. So they're still involved in it, but they're, they're just maybe taking a, a slight step back from it. So very often the case there is to maybe form a, a joint herd number, a registered farm partnership. In some cases, a company could be formed depending on, on what's needed. And then there's also a succession farm partnership that maybe we can cover in more detail a bit later. That's great, Trevor. Obviously, every option differs but in your opinion, what makes either of the options you've outlined more favourable? Well, certainly I would I would be going down the route of a registered farm partnership because of the benefits that's there from a tax point of view and also incentives that the Department of Agriculture are pushing out towards registered farm partnerships in terms of schemes and, and different incentives that's available there. Philip, with the new basic income support for sustainability replacing the previous basic payment scheme, what incentives are there this year to make changes compared to previous years or waiting for years into the future? Um, well, actually, much like uh, Trevor, I'm actually in a registered farm partnership as well at home on our dairy farm in, in Tipperary. So, yeah, the registered farm partnership and how that option worked is actually there. It's continuing into the new um, the new cap. Um, the only significant change to it um, is that there was a grant to help set up the registered farm partnerships. And that was 50% of a spend up to €5,000. As Trevor has kind of outlined a little bit already, they're, they're a legal structure. They're a, there's, there's accountancy work, there's solicitors work. They're actually are a, they're not just a Department of Agri entity. They're actually a genuine legal structure. So there is costs around it. So the department had a 50% grant for it. And because of the, they've analysed the, the actual costs of these things, whatever like that. So they've reduced the grant back to 3000 So it's 50% of 3000 So that's the main change um, on the registered farm partnership, the benefits remain the same of it as regards what um, what Trevor outlined from a tax point of view. But from a scheme point of view, they're not changing it. As in, the schemes are all eligible through the uh, the registered farm partnership as regards the young farmers top up, the national reserve. They're all eligible through it. Um, the TAMs they've indicated. Um, we'll call it for want of a word. TAMs three it hasn't been fully released yet. That they will all be um, eligible with the double payments through the registered farm partnership structure. Um, from the department's point of view, and 
And I can see why they've continued it and haven't made wholesale changes in any shape or form because it worked really well um, for the last number of years. It, it ticks so many boxes for farmers from a legal point of view, succession point of view, which Trevor's outlined. But on the ground, even ourselves at home, we had a multi-herd number. We had two herd numbers and the movement starts over and back and all those bitching issues by coming together in the registered farm partnership. It actually made the farming on the ground with multi-herd numbers actually easier to do through the scheme. Our nitrates is done across our entire farm rather than exporting sorry from one hard number to the other hard number and so forth like so um yeah it tidied up it tidied up stuff on the ground um it allowed us claim our schemes through myself and my brother as young farmers at the time and yeah from a succession point of view we're probably a nice bit way down the succession personally at home as regards transferring land from my 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 father to 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 my brother and myself if you know what i mean as regards but the registered farm partnerships continued and i would imagine on, on our own structured home it will continue for many years yet that's great. Trevor, can you explain what is the difference between a farm partnership and the difference between a registered farm partnership? Okay, so I suppose um, an ordinary farm partnership might have been known as a joint herd number up to now. And maybe there's a bit of confusion or, or lack of clarity of what exactly a joint herd number is. But as far as we'd be concerned, a joint herd number is a partnership and it should be registered with revenue. The difference then in terms of a registered farm partnership is the registered farm partnership is also registered with the Department of Agriculture. Both names are on the herd number. And actually interesting what Philip was covering there in terms of two herd numbers, whereas maybe you have the, the younger generation coming in with their own herd number, the older generation of farmer also has a herd number. You can bring both of them herd numbers into the registered farm partnership. And you can also actually have possibly two neighbouring farmers. It's not always the, a family farm setup. Uh, you could have two neighbouring farmers going into a registered farm partnership to get the benefits. You, with the two herd numbers going into a registered farm partnership, you hold on to your ANC payments that switch each herd number. You might have two acre schemes. And it's just, it's a more formal structure that's registered with the Department of Agriculture, also registered with the Revenue Commissioners, but it's the, the formal structure that's registered, partnership agreement drawn up, on-farm agreement drawn up, and then you're entitled to all the benefits that the Department of Agriculture is pushing out there in terms of schemes. Um, Catherine, if I could just jump in there a small bit on, on that multi-herd or joint herd or issue, I already came across over the years where people would have formed a joint herd number to claim the young farmer's top-up, for example. And when you claim a young farmer's top-up scheme and the National Reserve is a young farmer, it's, it dictates that you must sign a document to say that you're in um, control of the business, you're actively involved. It auto mandates that you must um, use a joint bank account to put all those transactions through. So like you've, you've, all those would be indicators to say you're forming a partnership. So our point of view is you've already formed a partnership you have done to claim these schemes, if you know what I mean. You need to form the herd, the joint herd number in a specific way in order to make sure you're not causing any issues with the Department of Agri. So you're 99% there already for what you're doing. So our point has always been, why not register and formalize it correctly with the Department of Agri? And therefore, there is no issues because we have had issues where people have formed a joint herd number, not aware of the implications of that farm through the sole trader bank account continuing the department doing inspection and go but you've claimed young farmers grants and you're not lodging it or using the joint hurt the joint bank account and therefore you've inadvertently broken the rules of the scheme if you know what i mean i know you mentioned earlier philip the tams grant but there's a double tams grant available in a farm partnership what are the benefits 
It is the double tams, I suppose, and it, it is a great benefit to it. Like, um, so like, I mean, everyone in the country, oh, and we use the old tams rules, um, and we're and there's a very, very, very high probability it'll be the same for the new one when we get the terms and conditions. But under the old rules, you every farm is entitled to forty percent of eighty thousand. Um, of a spend and if you went into a registered farm partnership even with one herd number you got 140 percent of 160,000. if you had a young farmer in it they got their 60 percent, so it was 60 percent of 80 and 40 percent of 80 so it allowed the doubling up a grant like and as we all know um and I'm, you've done other podcasts and the cost of buildings and stuff like that is substantial if you know what i mean so you'd be surprised how quick these days, uh, a piece of capital work would eat up 80,000 very, very quickly, if you know what I mean. So that double ceiling really gave great benefit to farmers to, to get a lot, to their, a lot of their building or their whole building covered under the ceiling. Trevor, you touched on some of the tax implications, but are there any tax implications or legal implications that farmers should really be considering before making any of the changes of interstate that you outlined? The, the most important thing is is to seek good advice. Um, if you're changing the structure on any farm setup from a sole trader to a partnership, to a registered farm partnership, to a succession farm partnership, or to a company, there is tax and legal implications on it. Uh, for example, if we just jump to the succession farm partnership for a moment, there's actually an extra tax credit available there in the formation of a succession farm partnership worth up to 5,000 euro a year. So it's a substantial tax credit there for somebody forming a succession farm partnership. And that's certainly where you need some tax and legal advice on it. In terms of even just with the registered farm partnership, there's an additional stock relief there available every year. So stock relief can be very beneficial for a farm that's trying to build up stock numbers. There's the increase in value of the stock at the end of the year. And there's an extra tax credit available there that, that people mightn't be aware of and mightn't be claiming up to now. Um, as I say, then, in terms of the registered farm partnership, there is a legal partnership agreement drawn up and there's a non-farm agreement drawn up. And these are both, you know, to cover off the issues that may arise um, between the partners on the farm. And just to mention, you know, people might be worried, maybe the older generation might be worried that they, or they mightn't have decided to hand on the land at some stage. The land actually doesn't have to be transferred over at the same time the partnership has been formed. So the older generation of farmer can retain ownership of the land and make a decision further down the line. But the partnership can still operate the farm um, as it is at the moment in, in a registered farm partnership situation without the transfer of the land ownership at this point in time. So to wrap up, I have a few scenarios. If you have a father, mother and a son or daughter and they form a registered farm partnership, what are the key steps involved, Philip? Oh, well, I, I'll cover from an agri point of view first. So if if a, if a, somebody's looking at a registered farm partnership or the joint herd number, be it for claiming grants or schemes through the Department of Agri, the first protocol should be to their own ag advisor to ensure, well, do the young farmer or daughter, young farmer, son or daughter, meet the criteria of claiming these schemes, if you know what I mean, do they have the, the green sorts at the correct ages? Because every scheme has its own particular set of rules. So that would be my first port to call. The next person then I'll be calling will be Trevor, verbally the accountant, as regards what he needs to look at. And I'll say I'll let you actually answer the rest of that question there, Trevor. Yeah, so in terms of if we have perhaps uh, father or mother, son and daughter wants to get involved in the farm, and they have an off-farm income. Uh, it's certainly 
sit down with their ag advisor first, as Philip says, and then sit down with their accountant and probably have a, a farm a family conversation of where to see the farm going in the next four or five years time. So, for example, if there was building work needed on the farm in the next three, four or five years, there's the possibility there of getting the double TAMS grant. Perhaps look at, at forming the registered farm partnership in that situation. Um, if maybe the off-farm incomes are high and the, the farm is generating a good profit, perhaps in that situation, a company could be considered from a tax point of view to reduce the amount of tax that's that's been paid out of the farm. But it depends on the situation of every individual farm. So you can't give broad general advice. You need to sit down, discuss what you want to do in terms of land ownership, the operation of the farming system, um, future transfers, future development of the farm, Discuss that within your own household, your own family, and then seek the, the good agri-advice, accountancy advice, and legal advice of what structure you need to put in place to run the farm efficiently, first of all, and then from a tax point of view that you're, you're retaining the, the profits that you're earning from your hard work on the farm every day of the week. Trevor, if the father is farming full-time and the son or daughter is working full-time off-farm and they're helping out at weekends and evenings and earning over 40000 in off-farm income, and they're looking to engage in the farm as the father is retiring. What advice have you for this scenario? Well, I suppose you mentioned the, the 40,000 there, Catherine, and probably just to backtrack a little bit, the, the 40,000 income limit for off-farm income for perhaps a young farmer looking to get entitlements from the National Reserve is not there under the new cap scheme. So that's actually another benefit is, oh, if you have naked land there and you have a young farmer who wants to get involved, the young farmer, either on their own entity or joining a partnership, uh, could be entitled to claim entitlements from the National Reserve to get some payments on their farm land. And then in terms of just having enough farm income, um, again, you, you can balance it up. So you, you look at how you want to form the partnership, what split of profits you want to have on the partnership, and look at that from a tax point of view then. Perhaps the, the older generation farmer is retired. Uh, they mightn't have as much income as the younger farmer who is starting off in a job and is working away full time. And then there may be benefit of splitting the profits slightly differently to, from a tax point of view. But again, again, as I go back to it, every situation is different. You need to sit down and look at it and discuss it and seek advice on it on the best structure to put in place. Philip, for a father working full time off farm and the son or daughter is working full time off farm, they're both farm at weekends and in evenings. What advice have you for this situation? Well, the structure does work for full-time and part-time farmers. And I suppose the wording really on it is, are you actively involved in the farm from the Department of Agri's point of view? So that's quite a broad statement. So I would always say, look, a little bit of common sense applies to it. Like, I mean, if, 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 the, if both parties are on the farm, living on the farm, living close to the farm, for want of a better word, yes, it might be a farm that doesn't justify full labour, but they're both there. They're both involved. They're both involved in the decisions that more than meets the, the, the criteria of being actively involved in the farm. I suppose where it gets a little bit grayer is when one party is living maybe a distance away or not really involved, if you know what I mean. And the, 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 the interpretation of actively involved is, is open, if you know what I mean, to interpretation. So, But I always say, look, a common sense approach applies to it. And I know from talking to experienced advisors, Catherine and Tagus and Independents, they'll know straight away whether a person is really involved or not. And they would, you would hope that they would give guidance to their clients and say, look, your son or daughter, or you are, you are actually involved. You'll have no problem with this criteria and that's issue. Or they might say, no, God, you're living up in Dublin. You're full-time up there or whatever like that. I don't think this is a, a wise course of action. 
um, as regards claiming schemes, like I mean, you can still form partnerships without claiming schemes through the register, through the partnership. You know what I mean? So, it might make sense from a tax point of view and succession point of view. But unfortunately, you might say, "Look, I'm not going. I'm not going to meet the criteria of claiming schemes, and therefore you just don't claim them." Finally, Philip, the deadline for registering farm partnerships is quickly approaching. Yep, it's 10th of February. It comes around quite quick. But it doesn't stop you still registering the partnerships after that date, if you know what I mean. It just means that you don't have the registered farm partnership number for the purposes of uh, the 15th of May. But you can still claim your schemes and grants and so forth through a joint herd number and you might register it at a date after that. Um, it also doesn't hold up the, the, the implementation of the scheme from a tax or a legal point of view. With, with your accountant, it just means you delay informing the department by a number of months. Um, and there's no problem with that department are, are, are fine with that. And from a revenue point of view, there's no problem with it either. That's great. Thanks very much. Some great tips and advice there. Thanks very much, Catherine. Thanks for having us. That's all for this week's episode. And my thanks to Trevor and Philip for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie. Or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.